0: welcome to the city hills church sermon podcast we hope that the message today helped you encounter god love people and discover purpose for more information about who we are as a church head over to cityhillschurchsd.com if you would like to partner with us financially click the give button at the top of the homepage on our website and now let's jump right into the message Well, good morning, City Hills. It's so good to
1: be back home and so good to be back in front of you, giving you what I hope will be a challenging and an encouraging message this morning. But I want to start with a question. As believers, what do we do when we're faced with a choice to do either what we know will honor God, but it's going to mean something is going to, it's going to cost us greatly. Or do we just do what everyone else is doing, even though we know it's going to really go against our Christian beliefs? Will we be brave or will we conform? And that's really what I want to talk to you about this morning. There's this incredible story in the book of Daniel. We're going to be in the Old Testament. We're really going to start in, in uh, chapter 3. But you know how I like to give you some backstory so that you know the context of where we're coming from. So just to kind of give you an idea real quickly of what happens in Daniel chapter, chapters 1 and 2. Daniel is a young teen. He's a, a Hebrew, a Jewish boy who has known God all of his life from the time that he could speak Um, His parents and those in, in the synagogue were teaching him the Ten Commandments and the ways of God. And this is all he knew, their culture, their way of living, their way of thinking, their way of eating. And so did all of his friends. And so one day, I mean, kind of picture it, they are all in Jerusalem High School, hanging out in youth group. And here comes this invading army of an enemy from a country called Babylon and what they do is they choose the best of the best the smartest the strongest the ones who they thought could learn a new language and a new culture and they literally kidnapped them and took them away their parents couldn't do anything about it and so here they are on this journey that took one or two maybe even three weeks 500 miles east of everything that they know and they're brought to this palace and they are taught a new language, new customs. They're, they tried to teach them a new way of eating. And I'll explain that in just a second. And even more than that, they changed their names. So I thought that that was something really interesting from that first chapter to just kind of speak into for a moment. You know, as believers, God calls us anointed, chosen. Royal priesthood, a city on a hill. But if you listen to the noise of the world, what you hear is you're uneducated, you're insecure, you're weak, and you really don't amount to anything. And so if we're not careful, you know, the enemy of our soul can try to rename us and, and try to make us feel that we're less than what God says. And that's what was happening. They were breaking them down mentally, emotionally, physically in every way, just sort of brainwash them into these new customs. But Daniel was very smart. He had the, the you know he had the, the power of the Lord in him and, and he had the wisdom to tell these people, no, let me and my friends who the story is really about, I'll get to in just a minute, eat just grains and fruits and vegetables and prove to them over and over again that the rich, fatty, and unhealthy foods that they were feeding everyone else was not for them. And over and over again, God gave them favor. So that's just a little tidbit for you, a little extra for you. Think about that. God calls you chosen, clean, and forgiven. Don't let the world try to rename you. So in the second chapter of Daniel, we see again that Daniel and his friends have purposed in their hearts not to defile themselves with the Babylonian culture. And they were given so much favor by God, they were actually promoted over the um, province of Babylon. So in that that first couple of chapters, we also see a, a time when the king Nebuchadnezzar, who was over Babylon had a dream and he asked all of his people in his courts to tell him the dream and then to tell them the interpretation and no one was able to, but God gave those words to Daniel and something really amazing happened. King Nebuchadnezzar felt the power of the one true God who we call God, Jehovah, the God of Israel. He, he felt that power. He saw that power But he was not changed. He was not moved. And it it made me think, you know, so many times we can be in a church service or at home watching a church service and we can be moved and we can be inspired. We can hear a worship song and shed a tear and feel the presence of God. But if we are not changed, if we are not surrendering and transformed into you know, accepting God into our lives, all we've had is an encounter. And that's all the king had. He had this encounter with the mighty God, but it didn't transform him. And that brings us to chapter three, because King Nebuchadnezzar immediately went back to his pagan ways. And he did something so unbelievable at the time, Well, let me just read it and we'll go along together. So chapter three says King Nebuchadnezzar built a golden statue, 90 feet high and nine feet thick. And he set it up in the plains of Dura in the province of Babylon. And then he ordered all the important people, all the leaders, all the, all of the um, dignitaries, everyone to come together to this one place for the dedication of this statue, let me explain what they were trying to do. He was attempting because there were so many Babylonian gods, hundreds and more than that. He wanted to join them all together under one religion with guess who as top dog? Yeah, himself. So pride got a hold of him. And so he erected this huge golden statue. And the Bible says it wasn't just the head that was gold. The entire thing was made of gold. So you can only imagine what, where he got that money from to do such a project. He was filled with pride. And he said, everyone come together and took their place where Nebuchadnezzar had erected this. So a herald, uh, verse 4 says, a herald then proclaimed in a loud voice, attention, everyone, every race, every color, every creed, Listen. When you hear the band strike up, all the trumpets and trombones, the cymbals and the tubas and the drums, fall to your knees and worship the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And anyone who does not kneel and worship will be thrown immediately into a roaring, fiery furnace. So the Bible says that Daniel's three friends, again, teenagers, they've been through two or three years of retraining you know, in in the Babylonian customs and ways, so they're maybe 18, you know, they're, they're not very old at all. And his friends' names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're present at the ceremony. But strangely, Daniel is not mentioned. And some scholars say that for whatever reason, he may have been back in the king's courts. So here they are, these three young Jewish teens, They have seen God bring them time and time through um, adversity, you know, and had to believe that God had a plan for them and saw God give them favor over and over again. But this one was going to be difficult. They were schooled just like Daniel would in these pagan ways in this pagan culture, so they knew that if they did not bow down, King Nebuchadnezzar was a man of his word. What's important to understand is that here they stand listening to what King Nebuchadnezzar has ordered and commanded them. But like I said, from little boys, from the time they could speak, they were taught the Ten Commandments. And so if you're familiar with the Ten Commandments, um, let me just remind you of the first one that that they're facing. So the first one is this, you shall have no other gods before me. And now Nebuchadnezzar, their boss, is telling them to bow down and worship him as God. Problem number one. Problem number two is the second commandment right behind it. It says you shall not make any graven images. Okay, well, here they are being asked, commanded mostly, to worship another God besides the God of Israel and bow down to his brazen altar. It's a violation of everything they believe in. Now, the Bible does not record this. This is Mary's thinking, because as a human, I would, you know, thinking of me as an 18-year-old, you know, teen, just thinking to myself, um, wait a minute, what do we do in this situation? And one of them might have said, well, you know, our leader Danny, he's back at the court, you know, eating grapes. I don't know what he's doing, but we're sitting here faced, you know, with this unbelievable demand of our of our king. And they maybe start to say, Well, okay, what about if we just do it this one time? You know, we just kind of do a little curtsy, no one will know, Danny won't know, he's away, you know, it it, maybe it won't matter. And of course, that's, that's just in my head thinking maybe this is what they were thinking. The Bible obviously does not record any of that. And even if it was a fleeting thought, they never acted upon it. So can you imagine the pressure in this moment? Thousands, tens of thousands are around them ready to hear the sound of the orchestra start to play so that they can bow down because, of course, they were fearful of the king as well. What are they going to do? And so maybe you're in a situation like that right now. Maybe your boss is asking you at work to compromise in a way that you just know is not pleasing to God. Or maybe your friends are pressuring you to to, to do something that you know goes against all of your Christian values. And what is the reason that we hear when when you question it? Everyone's doing it. It's not that big of a deal. Who's going to know? Watch how they respond to the king's command. Verse 7 says the band started to play, this huge band equipped with all the musical instruments of Babylon. It's this great noise, this Loud music, and everyone of every race, color, and creed fall to their knees and bow and worship the golden statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Picture it all 20,000 people fall to their knees and bow, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not. So Daniel chapter three goes on to say that the astrologers, I call them the tattletales, went to King Nebuchadnezzar with the alarming news that the three Jewish boys that he raised up to be over the province of Babylon, refused not only to worship his gods, but now is refusing to kneel and bow. You see, anyone standing is going to be conspicuous. Think about that in your own life. When you're standing for the things that are right, you're going to stand out. When faced with a choice, I guess the question for us is, will we kneel or will we stand? They said in verse 12, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they refuse to bow down. They will not worship this golden statue that you have put up. So I wanna unpack that word worship with you for just a moment. Worship is the act of demonstrating love, respect, honor, adoration towards something, usually someone. Whatever it is that you love the most is what you worship. And so if you love God the most, if he is the most important person in your life, you're gonna worship him. And idolatry is anything that you love or honor or respect other than God, more than God. And that's what the king was asking these young men to do. But you see, he was so full of pride. He couldn't even see straight. He saw the strength in these young men. He saw what they were able to do, but he wanted them to worship more than anything. So verse 13 says, Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. So now, even if they thought for a second that they could get away with not kneeling, now all eyes are on them. And he says to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my God's? or to worship the golden statue that I have set up, I'm going to give you one more chance to bow down and worship when you hear the instruments play. But if you refuse, you're going to be thrown immediately into this blazing furnace. And listen to what he says in the last part of that verse. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power. Wow. Have you heard that in your life? I have. What God is going to be able to rescue you from the power of the enemy, from the power of a situation that you're walking through? You see, the enemy first tries to bring fear, and then he tries to rename you, trying to belittle you and make you even consider compromising. And even after choosing to stand instead of bowing, listen, if that wasn't enough, then he tries to make you question whether God, your God, is powerful enough, present enough, or cares enough to rescue you. Listen to what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need To defend ourselves before you. Can you imagine these 18-year-old boys standing up to this king that had the power to throw them into a fire, that had the power to kill them on the spot in front of all of the people of the province of Babylon saying, I don't need to defend myself before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, The God we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. And verse 18 is where it all hinges. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, we will never serve your gods and we will never worship the golden statue that you have set up. Now I have to tell you, I have been there for the last three months. I have heard the lies that God does not care. I have heard the lies that you will have to bow to this pain of this grief that you are walking through. You will have to abandon all of the hopes and the dreams that you and Bud had for the ministry that you want to do and I know, I know for a fact that God has a plan for me, that God has a plan to keep showing me and leading me in the ways of what he wants to do in my life. I've heard the lies that if I would just kneel and bow, to this enemy that is trying to destroy my soul in this overwhelming grief, that if I just sit quietly by and give up on these dreams, then I can just disappear into this plane, pain. What I hear when I'm fighting against this enemy is no one will know, Mary. No one can blame you. But like those three courageous Hebrew young men, I stand before you this morning declaring I will not kneel. I will not bow. I have the assurance that my heavenly Father is more than able and capable to rescue me. And even though I have to walk through the darkest, deepest pain of this fiery furnace, I will make it clear that I will never turn my back on God. And you, my friends, can have that same assurance. Your God will rescue you. He does care. He has the ability to do it and more. And he has a purpose for everything that you and I will ever walk through. Well, Nebuchadnezzar was furious he was furious with these three young men. How dare they speak to him like this? The Bible says that his face became distorted with rage. He wasn't, it wasn't enough for him to throw them into this fiery furnace. He commanded in all of his anger to have it just um, brought up, heated up seven times hotter than usual. So he took the best of his army and he made them tie and bind them up with rope and and tied them up, hands and feet, fully dressed, and walked them to the fiery furnace. But because he was so angry, what he didn't realize was the men who led them to it, because the fire was so hot, they were consumed. And in fell Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, can you see him peering down? Hey, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, he said, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed. And the fourth looks like a god. Let me tell you something. Every time I read this story, it just ignites something inside of me. I don't want you to miss this. It's important to recognize that word. He was seeing something he did not expect to see, obviously. He was seeing not only Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walking around in there like they were at a bonfire, He saw something and he saw someone that looked like a god. I'm going to get back to that in a minute. But did you hear him say, they're unbound. Now their turban and their robes and their other garments were not on fire. Nothing was scorched. The only thing that was burned up was the thing that was tying them and binding them down. That's a powerful word for someone today. No matter what you're walking through this morning, whatever, whether you're here in person with us or listening online, whatever is binding you, whatever the enemy thinks that he has bound you with, believe me, even though you walk through the fire, you will be free. You will be free. That's a word hopefully that will just mean something to someone this morning. But you see they were walking around in the fire unharmed shadrach meshach and abednego trusted god more than they feared the king and so i put towards you as we start to wrap up this story you know what is it that you can say i trust god more than i fear and you fill in the blank you've made a decision to trust god And now it's a faith walk. So the three Hebrew boys stared death in the face and chose to trust their God, the one who would never let them down. Verse 25 says, Look, Nebuchadnezzar, again, I'm reading this again, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. As they walked around this fiery pit waiting for the pain, waiting for the numbness, waiting for the smoke inhalation. They're waiting and waiting, but nothing happens. Nothing is happening. They're in the fire, but they're not alone. The king's test turned into a divine encounter suddenly they look up and they're 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 not sure who has joined them and maybe they're thinking man it's Daniel you know he heard about what was happening that's a true friend to come jump in this fire pit here with us but it was not Daniel it was the son of God now I know we don't have the time to really go into uh, a deep philosophical and theological conversation about this but trust me and if you have any questions come ask us afterwards but theologians call this a theophany I'll give you a little bit of of history on that we all know as we study the bible that as a human Jesus didn't come on the scene till the new testament and he came as a baby but there were several times in the old testament when Jesus appeared to people in very special times as a pre-incarnate being. But the thing that I want you to really understand is that God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, they are one. So what is really interesting and what is really most important for you to understand is that whether you want to call it Jesus or call it God, they were, God was in the fire with them. When they thought that they were just standing up alone, God was in the fire with them. In the midst of their fiercest challenge, God showed up. And so I wonder what the four of them may have talked about. You know how I think these crazy things in my head. I can't help it. I'm such a visual learner. It's like they can't possibly just be walking around going, this is so cool. Nothing is happening to us. We're human. You know, there's got to be conversations. What I'm sure of is that that God or Jesus, you know, in that form is saying to them, listen, there's groups of people in this generation and in a hundred generations to come, thousands of years later that are going to be moved and their faith is going to be strengthened because of your story. And I say that to you right now, again, whether you're in service with us this morning or you're listening online, what is your story? Your story is unique to you and your story has a purpose and God can use your story to bring faith and healing to those around you. I'm sure that he was saying people are going to suffer, other Christians, persecution, pain. They're going to suffer the loss of death, but they're going to hear about your story and be strengthened. And this is something that really struck me. You don't know what's on the other side of your obedience. They decided to obey God against everything that seemed possible to them, they were obedient to God. And not only did they have an encounter with God, their story was going to change hundreds and thousands of people through the years. God decided to deliver Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the furnace and not from the furnace. And that's for someone today. So many of you say, well, well, I don't understand why God allowed me to walk through that. Oh, I'm right there with you, brother. I'm right there with you, sister. I don't understand. But sometimes he may not deliver us from that furnace, from that challenge, from that loss, but he can deliver us in it. Right in the midst of our storm, he can give us strength, he can give us peace, he can give us faith and the power to stand up to our enemy. And listen to what happened next so then nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and he shouted shadrach meshach Abednego, servants of the most high god yeah he was getting an idea of who was truly the most high god come out come here and i love this so shadrach meshach and Abednego stepped out of the fire and then the high officers the officials the governors the advisors everyone circled around them and saw that the fire had not touched them not a hair on their head had been singed not a, a a piece of their clothing had been scorched and the bible says they didn't even smell like smoke isn't that amazing i was at a bonfire recently in louisiana with the family and i had to take a shower and throw those clothes down the wash after I'd been around it because I smelled like smoke. They were inside of this fiery furnace, this pit, that they thought would be the end of them. And when they came out, after encountering God in the midst of it, they didn't even smell like smoke. Do you know, dear Christian, that you can be in the world and not even smell like it? I know that sounds strange, but I hope you get what I'm saying. You can be in the midst of evil. You can be in the midst of the worst situation and the worst challenge that you're facing, but all that people can see and perceive is God, the sweet smell of God. I want to end with this scripture, Isaiah 43, one through two. This is one that has kept me going over the last three months. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, do not be afraid for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name and you are mine. Remember, he's called you by name. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. And when you walk through the fire of oppression, You will not be burned up, nor shall the flame scorch you. A fourth man showed up in that fiery furnace, and that same God, that same loving Father that formed you and called you by name wants to show up in your fiery furnace today. He wants to show up and tell you that he is with you, that he'll never forsake you, that he's always with you. He's for you. He's not against you. And when it seems like he may not be there, he promises that he will never leave you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word that stands in your your word to give us strength, to give us hope. Father, I pray that whoever this was for today would have the same titanium rod of faith. Just go through them right now, oh God to face what they are facing, to know that you are with them, to know that they are not alone. Father, that they need not kneel, they do not need to bow to anyone except for you. Let them know that their story matters and their story is powerful and strong. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you would just saturate their minds today with the knowledge that you are always there.
0: Amen. We hope that you enjoyed the message today. We would love to be able to partner with you on your faith journey. Regardless of where you're at or what you're walking through, know that your friends at City Hills Church are here for you. If you would like for us to pray for you, click the contact button on the top of the homepage and share your request with us. Our prayer team will keep you and your family in prayer every week. We hope you have an incredible day and that you discover a little more purpose throughout your week. We look forward to seeing you soon.